is the moment you've all been waiting for. Live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son MMA and TTRPG podcast and the destination for the best NPCs in all the planes. All of them. Um, we are joined today by the prolific and complete badass Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, the creative uh, originator of the Lazy DMs series. Mike, welcome. I'll, I'll start off by saying, given that you guys have interviewed MMA fighters, I'm not sure badass would be the term that I would use, <laughs> um, to, to describe me. Dude, um, in terms of in terms of D uh, D and D content, you're a badass. Like we, I, we are bow down to you're heavyweight champion. I will, admit, I will admit to making a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of them uh, are good. Oh, dude! I mean, your your stuff is not only prolific but amazing in of uh, many different aspects, from the layout to the art to the actual content itself. What I want to ask you, you know, is really, you know, D and D. In, in of itself and TTRPGs as themselves are, are a very niche pocket that, that we find ourselves in. What got you here? What led you to, you know, wanting to make your life about, you know, TTRPG and creating content to make other DMs lives easier um, while, while they're running stuff? That's a good question. So I've, 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 I've played tabletop RPGs for a long time since I think the eighties, mm. late eighties. And uh, they've always been in and out of my life. Like I, I played for a while in high school, then I got out of it, then I played in college, then I got out of it, and then I played after, after graduation and when I, when I was starting with a job and then got out of a little bit and then got into it and stayed into it for like the last 15-ish years or so pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So it's always sort of been there. And, and I've always recognized that even though other hobbies have come in, Magic the Gathering came in and MMOs came in and you know, other kinds of video games and stuff have sort of inserted themselves in as a hobby for me. I've always come back to tabletop RPGs and, and the fact that it is that resilient and the fact that it is growing now in a mm -hmm. tremendous way. Like I, I, I think by my, by my loose calculations is basically at least D and D has doubled in popularity every 18 months for the last five years. Right. So that's wow. a tremendous amount of, yeah, tremendous amount of growth. And now more people are playing D and D now than have ever played it before. And more people, I think this is true. I think if I, if I slice the math right, more people have played D&D &D only in the last two years than have played in all of the time previous, right? Whoa. So we have way more people wow. that are just getting started with D&D &D than we've ever had before. And so that, that's great. But like I, it was probably, it was actually at the beginning of fourth edition when mm -hmm. I was kind of getting out of, I, I've always write, I write a lot. I've been writing all of my adult life on different topics. And I was just getting out of massive online games, kind of EverQuest and World of Warcraft. Yeah. And I was getting more into D&D. &D. And that was right at the point when they were switching from 3.5 to fourth edition. And I was, I had been playing a fair bit of 3.5 and I was ready for a new edition. I was very into the maps and minis and tactical play and stuff like that. And, and fourth edition really embraced that and grasped that. So I got into that heavily. And I was kind of at the right place at the right time to write about it because not a lot of people were 
And even early on, there were hardly anybody that was writing specifically about fourth edition. And I said, I'm going to get even more niche by just focusing on fourth edition dungeon mastering. Like I want to help DMs run fourth edition games. Like there'll be player stuff and there'll be other people um, that will write player stuff, but I'm going to focus on this aspect, which is, which yeah. is how to help DMs run fourth edition D&D games. And there were like other bloggers, but there was like six of us, right? And we all knew each other. And there's still a few of us that still get together now and chat you know, from time to time that kind of have been writing about D&D now for, for you know, like 10 years. Mm. And um, that stayed, I was very happy doing that through fourth edition. I started writing books about the middle of that. I wrote um, Sly Flourish's Dungeon Master Tips in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Kind of as, yeah, I was kind of inspired to write that. And then yeah. I wrote another book called Epic Tier Games and so on. And then fifth edition came out. And I'm and I was at that point, I had played enough fourth and I was starting to think about DD differently again, getting away mm-hmm. from sort of the mini- maps and miniatures and tactical play and more towards yeah. shared storytelling. I played a lot of games like Fate and Dungeon World and 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 the Powered by the Apocalypse games and some other ones that had this very story-focused approach towards yeah. RPGs. Mm-hmm. And th- and that you know that got me too right that that sort of grasped grabbed me and and then fifth edition came out and fifth edition had embraced a lot of those ideas too it sort of sat on the fence of a lot of these ideas um, yeah but it but it is able to do them all and so then i've kind of shifted towards that sly flourish moved from fourth edition to fifth edition and not not the power but my website um <laughs> so like sly flourish is actually the name of a power that was in fourth edition D, right like that's where the okay oh, amazing yeah a rogue there's a rogue ability called sly flourish where you can attack with your charisma bonus and that is oh, okay. so that's that's where that term came from and um and i still get a lot of i still get a lot of grief from my friends who are like you know you now you talk now you down talk about fourth edition but you're still named after a power from fourth edition <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um so, uh, so I stayed with it. And then luckily I've been able to kind of ride the wave of fifth edition, like that, as that's grown mm-hmm. in popularity, I've, I've managed, I've managed to not get steamrolled by it and instead have been trying to take the inertia and run with it and still follow in on my number one goal, which is help DMs run D and D games. Cause I think it's, I think it's a really, I think it's really important. Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting homie and the dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm getting a sense, one of my questions that I was going to ask you, but I think you've answered it. When I see how much content you're creating, I'm picturing a team of people <laughs> no. that are doing all this. It's you. It's you. Um, so the books, I definitely have teams for the books. Okay. Uh, right. When I put a book together, I definitely have <laughs> a bunch of different people that are helping me out with the aspects of the book. So designers, mm-hmm. uh, layout artists, uh, cartographers, my, you know, uh, uh, my friend, Scott Fitzgerald Gray, who edits pretty much everything I've done in the last six years. Uh, he's a Wizards of the Coast, you know, editor for many of the Wizards of the Coast books and okay. just absolutely fantastic guy. And I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have put anything out nearly as good without him. And, um, so I, I've worked, yeah, when I'm, when I'm doing the bigger, the bigger publications, I definitely have a team for that, but articles, videos, podcasts, uh, tweets, all the social media stuff, discord. I have, I have moderators that help me with my discord server because you have mm-hmm. to, um, yeah, but everything else is me. Yeah. I just, I just, yeah. and for the bigger published stuff, all the content creation, all the actual, uh, almost, almost wording, all the writing. Yeah. Yeah, the difference would be uh, we did a book last year called Fantastic Layers. Uh, that was a partnership between myself and James Intercasso and Scott Fitzgerald Gray. Scott Fitzgerald Gray. So all three of us 
worked on that one together. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, Scott had written uh, one or two of them, James and I had split the rest and then, you know, Scott did all the editing and then we did the layout and the publishing and everything. So that was a, that was a group effort on that one. But the rest, Amazing, yeah. generally speaking, the rest of them, I, I'm, I, I want to write. And that's because I, I love, I love the writing more than I like anything else. So mm -hmm. I, I, I look at like where uh, Wolfgang Bauer has gone with Kobold Press, right? Kobold Press is the number yeah. one, as far as I could tell, the number one third party producer for, for fifth edition material. And he's a wonderful yeah. guy and it's wonderful material that he puts out. Uh, but he brings on lots and lots of writers to build the products that he writes. And yeah. I, I look at that and I'm like, well, I don't, I want to do that part, right? Like, I don't want, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to outsource the writing. That's the one piece I like, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to outsource the stuff I don't like. Yeah, of course. Dude, I, I feel you in terms of that, like, uh, that, not like in, in a way that creative hold over your work of like, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, I, I fully agree with you. You know, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Like what stuff do we actually want right. to keep in our yeah. house? And then what, what, stuff, enjoy? what yeah. stuff are we like handing off to, to, to some of uh, the, the people that work with us, you know, our editor and, you know, people like that. And it's like, it's one of those things where you do, um, you do find the pieces that you really do love and you keep those for yourselves. You kind of lock those out and you're like, I'm going to make sure that I still do this. Oh, what I wanted to ask you, obviously, you know, Tom mentioned the fact that, you know, the fact that you're bringing out so much stuff and that, you you know, there could be a team behind you if, if people didn't know it was just you uh, yourself. Um, so what does it look like for you from concept to like publishing? What is your like step by step process? And please feel free to include a magic source that you are using at the I, moment. I might have some magic sauce. I don't know. Any, any additional power sources that? <laughs> yeah. Um, laziness is actually a really good power source. Uh, so uh, yeah, I joke about it, of course, like the book Lazy Dungeon Masters, what I'm cool. talking about there. But I think that those same philosophies work everywhere else, which is just how do you, for me, what has worked is being ruthlessly efficient about mm -hmm. what I'm doing and asking those, asking those questions about what do I really want to be doing? My, my wife and I were, we go out for, we go out for a couple of walks every day and, and she, luckily for me, she is a huge D and D nerd. And so we talk a lot about D and D and we talk a lot about what's, what, what, you know, what I'm, I'm doing. And like, I was talking about TikTok today. Right. And, and some, mm -hmm. some other friends of mine in the, in the trade space are like, you know, like there's this huge thing and like, we're all old and don't know anything about it. But boy, it's really big. And and I was <laughs> like, how, you know, is it, is it like, should I do one? And I'm like, I'll try one, right? Like I can try it and see, but it's like, but yeah, yeah. but it can't take more than like five minutes. If it takes any longer, I can't, I won't be able to keep up. So yeah. it's definitely like, how do you, how do you get efficient? Uh, mm -hmm. So like an example is um, uh, I've, I've, I've probably within the last year really been focusing a lot on YouTube content, right? Yeah. And it's something yeah. I hadn't really been paying a lot of attention to, but I'm seeing a lot more. Uh, growth in that area than I am anywhere else. You know, it's fat, it's mm -hmm. growing faster than my website, which has been around for 10 years. It's growing faster than just about everything else. And it's a good, it feels to me, you know, my, my, my kind of core mission is to help people run D and D games and it being able to put those videos out seems to be a way for, to, to be able to reach out and, and, and help in that area. And, um, but you know, so one of the things I thought about was like, well, how do I, how do I turn a, a concept for a video into something that's more than just that as well? And mm -hmm. so I will, I'll sit down like, so today, for example, I want to shoot two videos um, mm -hmm. that I'll put out in, in later weeks and short, right? Like three to five minute videos on a particular topic. So yeah. I start by, I start by like writing it out and I actually try to write it out in a way that I can then use it as an article and a newsletter. 
which means before mm-hmm. I've even nice. shot the video, I already have two other pieces of content that I can publish, one for my website and one for my, nice. my newsletter. And yeah. then I'll shoot the video and that's great. And then I'll cut the video and I'll take the audio and turn that into a podcast. And so now I've got two other forms so that any, any one topic that I do can actually be four different pieces of content. And my, yeah, my, my goal is that people will digest it how they want. Like some people will go and yeah. just watch it on YouTube and they're done. Some people will listen in their car and they'll be done. Some people will don't ever go to websites, but they read my email newsletter. So they get it that way. Or mm, some yeah. people just they pick it up late, they Google it and they Google a topic and they see it as an article on the blog. So that way yeah. I can kind of take an idea and it takes longer to do that, but it doesn't take as long as it would take to do four individual pieces of content, right? Yeah. And, and I can probably cover, so you know, it, today I can probably cover um, two of those, which means eight, mm-hmm. eight, you know, today I might be able to get eight pieces of content ready to go. And then, yeah. I, and then I stagger out the publication of those things. So they don't, it's not like they all drop on one day. Um, yeah. but, but so that kind of thinking through, like, how do I cut things down? How do I cut out the, the, you know, how do I save time, uh, for video mm-hmm. editing? For example, I found a really, really wonderful tool called Descript. Um, mm-hmm. Descript is a, are you guys familiar with it? Have you heard of this? No, no, no. Uh, you may, you might like it. So Descript is a, uh, video, it's a video editing piece of software. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and it's big thing is that it starts off by transcribing everything that you say in a video and then Mm -hmm. displays it like a word document and you can edit it like you're reading a word document Um, it has automatic detection for gaps like if there's space in your video where nothing is said it can shrink that out automatically and anytime you say the word um it can pick up that word and yank it out automatically and, mm. and, and then you can edit it down by, by editing the text. And where that really helped me is that on Sundays, I record a talk show. I do two hour-long videos, a talk show yeah. and a DM prep show. And yeah. both of them are about an hour each. And I do those on Twitch. Mm-hmm. So uh, I then take the video edit from that and I will run it through Descript. And it, it then lets me take what was, what was taking about three hours of editing time uh, now takes about 20 minutes. So Incredible. I can, I can take two hours of video and I can get it ready for publication again, both as a podcast and as a, as a, you know, podcast and as a uh, YouTube video. And it's not the cleanest edit, right? It's not mm-hmm. nearly as good as if I spent three hours editing a video, uh, yeah. but it is, but it is good enough. And nobody, mm-hmm. you know, my thing is, is it good enough? Are the numbers dropping and are people complaining? And if none of those things are, you know, if all of those are good, then I'm good. Yeah. Right? And um, so that saves, a, that saves a lot of time. Just a quick one on Descript. Yeah. That's for video as well. So it's shrinking out. The, is, is it just little, little cut, little like gap cuts? Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. It's splicing things out along the way. And there, there's yeah. just little like cuts as it goes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and it's super. not perfect. Mm. Like it'll, it'll sometimes cut off the end of a word, right? It'll, mm. it'll there, there's the, 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 the cuts are not perfect, but um, they have a bunch of crazy AI technology in the back that is constantly improving. So it's, it's slowly getting better you know, as you, yeah. as you use it. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll listen to them afterwards sometimes and I'll hear mm-hmm. like, Oh, that was not the cleanest, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. like it, it, the message is there. It's not completely distracting. You know, I have yeah. friends of mine that would give me, you know, my wife listens to it and if it was bad, she would let me know. <laughs> right? yeah, she's like, eh, you know, they're driving they're, they're hardly paying attention anyway. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of well, works out. Yeah. Do you know, I've been really like, I was very interested in, in watching some of your, uh, your YouTube content, actually. 
and uh, I've been enjoying your prep series and the way that you prep. And, you know, something that I really enjoyed about <laughs> watching you prep is your little like mind maps and the way you kind of links, link things together and stuff. And I think what I appreciate about not only the content that you're putting on YouTube, but, you know, the, the supplements that you're making for 5e and of that, you know, the, these, these booklets for DMs to help them and whatnot is it seems like a lot of the time, uh, at least for me, there's some new concepts in here. There's some stuff that is out of the box. There's some new angles that I haven't like maybe looked at from that place. And I think I really appreciate the way that you come at these problems and these, these, you know, prepping for a session or, you know, the, the, t the instant tables that you have in your book or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's very interesting to me that you're trying to solve this problem for people about, um, you know, having an ability to uh, shorten things and have shortcuts for DMs. So like, why do you think as a DM for yourself, because I'm sure you've used some of these yourself, why is it so important to have shortcuts for when we're like prepping and stuff? Why, why is that so high in value for you uh, across your content? It's a great question. Uh, two, two, two reasons, I think. One is time. Like the, the, the mm -hmm. biggest one and the reason that I got into like the idea of the lazy dungeon master and, and into return was that many times DMs talk about not having enough time or, or would want to be DM DMs that want people that want to be a dungeon master, but they yeah. have, they have jobs, they have spouses, yeah. they have kids, they have all these other commitments in their lives. And it's one, it's already hard enough to schedule a game with your friends and have everybody show up. Right. That's the number one yeah. problem with D and D. Mm. But then it's like, well, having an, and then you actually got this, you know, you've got this beautiful thing of, of getting a game scheduled and everybody's going to show up. And then you're like, oh my God, now I need to spend a lot of time. And there are, there are a lot of people who just don't have the time. So, so number one was offering a, a system that, that can fit into people's lives that uh, can get them ready to, to run a game. Like how much, you know, can, can you prep a four hour game in 30 minutes? Right. It's kind of, the, yeah. that's sort of the benchmark, you know, that, or that's the ideal, mm -hmm. sort of the ideal benchmark. And some people like, you know, I, I had somebody who said like, how many hours per hour of game does it take you to prep? And I was like, ah, you know, hours per hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I have a book. The way around. <laughs> right. So, right. Exactly. It's the other way around. That's number one. But the number two, and this was a discovery that happened when I was doing the research for the original Lazy Dungeon Master, talking to a mm -hmm. lot of DMs about it, getting surveys back, which is that the people who were prepping less said that their games ran better. Yeah. It was a pretty consistent, pretty consistent results that people who did less prep were happier with the way their game went. And it's yeah. because they didn't have a lot of stuff prepared that, that ended up not getting used or got, mm -hmm. got force fed. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that idea of sort of preparing to improvise came out of this. Like, how do you, I, 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 I kind of talk about this metaphor a lot, but it's like, how do you prepare the ingredients so that you can cook at the table? rather than you're cooking the entire meal ahead of time and then just putting in front of people. Mm. And, and I, I think that it turns out that those two things line up really well, that mm. figuring out how to just prep your ingredients and get your ingredients ready, and then also um, have that fit within a shorter amount of time, it turns out it, yeah. it, works, it works pretty well. Yeah. And do you, do you know what? It's kind, of, it's kind of like fajita night around the table, you know? Everyone's, exactly, everyone's, yeah. grabbing, everyone's yeah. grabbing, you know, tortilla, everyone's grabbing some, you know, mint, some sauce, you know, a bit of salsa, you know. I, 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 feel, I feel you. 
Yeah, I think it's a lot like a, like a hibachi table, right? If you go to like a yeah. hibachi grill and it's like, because exactly. it's like, it's like 50% eating and 50% performance, right? And, yeah. and so there, there's a lot of like, you know, the DM side is, is also, you know, putting on your circus hat and yeah. ma- making a big show of things and hiding the fact that like this, you know, I don't know what's behind that horizon over there. You know, don't let, you know, I'll make something up, right? But yeah, for sure. And you know, I think, as I'm doing it as well, and you know, I'm I'm coming up to a year of of being a dungeon master, and I think the one thing that I found is the more that I've relinquished, and like you said, you know, like given over power almost to the players and being like, cool, well, I have I have a couple of encounters planned, and if you happen, if you, we have those players at the table and we happen to go there, then we're we're gonna run those. But if not, you know, it's it's up to you guys. Where are, we, where are we going after last week's session where this plot kind of led us? And I think, like, like you said, you know, having this ability to plan for improvisation, I think is truly like, the, I've not heard anyone like put it like that, yeah. but that's one of the best examples of how, how being a DM, like almost what I feel like one of the, like that line, it almost to me, as you said that like resonated, it's one of those like secret things that if you tell like a new DM, they're like, oh that's some secret source i didn't realize you know what i mean and it's it's that idea of you know cool you don't have to know every single building and character and this and you know you can pull a random name in the moment you can come up with this plot thread you know at this time you can come up with any of it and typically and like you said you know um, interestingly through your research and the, the surveys you did we found that we have a lot more fun at, at our table um, when uh, when when I've been improvising a little bit more and been allowing it to flow a little bit more. In the last couple of sessions, I've written, you know, um, there was a time when I was writing, you know, full building layout descriptions. Do you know what I mean? Of like, you know, in this room, there's like this many things and blah, 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 blah you know, kind of thing. Maybe wrong, there's an extent of that, you know, that definitely helps. But also there's a point of being like, cool. Um, I'm definitely going to make that up on the spot and it definitely comes out it, not always the best, but definitely comes out better. I've found as well. So I can see why, you know, that would be an important piece for you in this puzzle that you're fitting together for creating your content. Cause I guess what we're all trying to do while we're making content is understand our own place within this community and what we're doing and what we're bringing to it. And I, I imagine, you know, having that conversation with yourself about what you did want to bring in and, and what you've done. Uh, probably involves, you know, this whole talk of planning to improvise and time and all that kind of stuff. Ingredients. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's one of those things where this has led to you now having Kickstarters and, you know, some notoriety and stuff. And, uh, you know, you've got Kickstarters that are being funded in 20 minutes and whatnot. How does that, like, make you feel, man? How, how, how does that make you feel as a person, you know, who, who's doing something that they love and like how how are you dealing with that because we know that the uh, keeping up with social medias and the making sure that the posting schedule is there and the writing the content you know and we do it to a much lesser degree that you're currently doing it with your with your kickstarters and whatnot uh, how's that weighing on you man how, how, how is it well, obviously you? you know obviously great right like mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. i'm very happy um, congratulations by the way yeah, yeah, thank you. Right. So uh, I, I, I joked because I was I didn't even joke like I was in discord talking to the to, to my to, to the patrons, the Sly Flourish patrons. I have a little dedicated channel there. And um, 
we, you know, I was chatting and, and somebody said like, Oh, you're going to get one of those, like, you know, funded in 15 minutes badges. And I'm like, you know, those badges always drive me crazy. Cause it's like, you clearly under undersold your Kickstarter. If you, if you, <laughs> you know, if you hit that amount and I said, mine is not going to fund it. Mine's going to take a little bit. And it's because yeah. the, the cost that we put on there is the actual cost that it's going to take to make that book, you know, yeah. so it's not going to fund that quickly. And then it did. And I'm like, well, now I look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so that, that, you know, it was, it was, it was great. It, I, I, I had high hopes for it. Right. I, I knew mm -hmm. that it was kind of following along the lines of, of return. And I knew that return had come out three years ago and it got 6,000 backers. So it wasn't out of the question. I was kind of thinking like 5,000 is probably, you know, probably the, you know, a, a, a realistic high goal. Um, yeah. And then it's done even far better than that. Like it, it's, we're on day five or something like that and hit 5,000 people. And that's great. And yet, so it, that's great. It's also this, this, this Kickstarter is a scary one for me because it's a, a big one where I have um, where we're, we're going in areas that I haven't gone before, which is offset printing, right? Every, every mm -hmm. other Kickstarter that I've run was built on a print on demand model where I, I, all I had to do is create the digital work and then once the digital work was created, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't going to affect my, uh, uh, like my budget if the book mm -hmm. got bigger or it got more expensive. Right. Yeah. So the example was with fantastic layers, we started off by saying, we're going to do 10 layers. Right. And mm -hmm. so it'll be like maybe 75 pages or so with 10 yeah. layers. And, and if we get more money, we'll add more layers. So we'd add a couple more layers and a couple more layers. So he had, we had planned for up to 20, but we said we're, you know, 10 is probably, we'll, we'll start mm -hmm. with 10 because we knew it was going to be a high expense, a lot of art, a lot of maps, a lot of things yeah. that are going to go into making that. And uh, then the Kickstarter did well, he added more and more. And so while the original book was 10, the final book ended up being 23 layers, right? And I think we wow. even added a couple of sub chapters. So the book was more than... I think it was like a hundred, you know, it was like 250% the size, right? Or 20, yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it was way bigger. And if we had offered a hardcover version of that mm -hmm. and, and, you know, this, the price to produce a hardcover version is radically different when it's that much bigger or that much smaller. Mm -hmm. So you're either overcharging people uh, mm -hmm. if you, you know, you're either overcharging people and then not going broke or you're undercharging people. And then the more people that back it, the more money you're losing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. When you do offset when you do offset printing, uh, which is why like the lazy DM companion Kickstarter doesn't have any stretch goals. Right. It is a yeah. I know exactly how big it is. I know exactly what was going to be in it. Uh, the the minimum the minimum price was the amount that it was going to cost me to make the book without my mm -hmm. time and my writing in it. So art and editing and layout and everything else. And yeah. then uh, and, and, and all of the things that I would have done as stretch goals are already going to be in it. So there's a bunch of maps that are going to be in it. There's a bunch of extra artwork yeah. that's going to be in it, but I planned that out ahead of time because yeah. I, I, I wasn't like I was going to do the book without that stuff. Right. I mm -hmm. knew, I knew how big it was going to be. And then it means that the prices that are there are the prices that it's actually going to cost to distribute that book, which means I can't really make it bigger. Right. Because mm -hmm. then, you know, it, it's that old adage of, you know, well, we're, we're losing money on every sale, but we're making up for it in volume. Right. Right. So that's why right like, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's kind of, it's an unfortunate thing with Kickstarter that, that people fixate on the money. And mm -hmm. the problem is that money is completely misleading because it's, it's a, it's, that's, that's pure gross. It's not even counting Kickstarter's fee much less every yeah. other fee that you have in there, much less taxes, much less 
you know, shipping, distribution, manufacturing, and all the other costs. So in my yeah. previous Kickstarters, the money wasn't wasn't far off, and we could actually take a lot of the money that we were getting and turn that right into into uh, stretch goals, because mm-hmm. we knew that like no matter how many people backed it, you know. The, the the cost to make it bigger or the cost to print a new thing was always going to the customer anyway. They were they were printing it at the price of the cost for printing, which yeah. is confusing for people because they're like, why are you charging me money on a Kickstarter and then charging me again when I have to buy the book for printing yeah. costs? And you're like, because yeah. you never actually paid for it the first time, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's why that's why you got like five books for twenty dollars, right? And it's <laughs> it was because <laughs> I'm not shipping you books for twenty dollars, right? Like, <laughs> it costs more than that. Um, so you look at some of these like Gonzo Kickstarters, like the Tenarius Kickstarter that just finished, right? It's like a more, yeah. I, I don't know how much, it, it was like, a, it was a 2 million. It was some huge amount of money for an RPG book, yeah. right? But then you look at all the stuff they're making and you're like, mm-hmm. that costs a ton of money, <laughs> right? Like yeah. they didn't get $2 million, right? Like, I don't yeah. know what they got. And it's, it probably isn't bad, but it's, yeah. it's not, you know, there's a lot of costs that are associated. So to me, like the measure of success that I, that I tend to look at with a Kickstarter is the number of people that backed it. Right. And and when you see that, that then that's the that's the even way of judging like, well, how did one Kickstarter do to another? Is did it get yeah. 2,500 backers? Did it get 500, 5,000 backers? Did it get 500 backers? You know, how many people backed it? Because that one, you know, you can tell how yeah. successful it was. Where a Kickstarter that is pure based on money, like how much did they spend on marketing? Like maybe they spent half their budget on marketing. Right. And, yeah. and that's why they got so many people. And that's why they got two or $3 million. But it also is going to cost them a ton for Facebook yeah. ads, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so those are all kind of things that that are worth considering, you know, where, you know, where you can look at a Kickstarter. Like, I, again, I'm very happy. Ours is going to be fine. I have, I trust, yeah. I'm working with partners that I are, are going to help me with all of the printing and distribution and warehousing and, and delivery of all of these things that have done it many times mm-hmm. before. So that's mm-hmm. all going to be great. Um, but yeah, it's a big, it's a big stressful thing too. It was really hard the first three days. Like you'd think that you're just sitting there running around the house screaming, you know, <laughs> I, I worked like three 12 hour days in a row, yeah. <laughs> just keeping up with what was going on. And then yeah. like when the pledge level started to go down, when the number of people backing, I was like, ah, oh, finally I can relax. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, this is so amazing. Yeah. I love crazy experience. Yeah, and I really appreciate, and I'm sure a lot of other people appreciate, just this last, you know, sort of four or five minutes of you talking about just demystifying what's going on behind the scenes with Kickstarters. Because everyone's got kind of a Kickstarter in their back pocket. They're thinking, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? And there's there's an element of, and we actually have seen, because we have uh, a few Kickstarter sponsors that have come through us as well. So we've seen a nice spectrum of how these things unfold and the amount of investment people put in for advertising versus how many followers they have and what the returns are. Do you have any like golden rules? Like I was thinking a little bit and tell me how, how much this connects or doesn't connect Mm -hmm. that there's a, there's a ratio that you can pull out of how many followers, how many good followers you have on Twitter, let's say, versus how many of that will translate convert to donors on Kickstarter. Is there anything like that that you've been playing with or you've actually come out the other end thinking, yeah, there's a little bit of a correlation happening? Sure. Uh, yeah, so this is where I, I might be able to offer some actual practical advice or practical experiences, right? Like 
things that I've seen. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to call it advice because everything is different. Everybody's different. Yeah. Every different. Every product is different. So trying to follow one other person's model is never a good way, but getting lots of information from lots of different stuff and putting correlate, collating it together and figuring out like, okay, certain trends work a certain way. There's one trend. I'll, I'll, I'll just throw the number one thing out there. Uh, the number one trend that I've seen that has had a good value is newsletters. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, as I like to say, the social media platform of the future is email. Right? <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I, I know I mentioned TikTok, right? And I've tried a lot. I've TikTok, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time. Twitter, I've been working on and playing with for more than, t- you know, for like 12, since it, I don't know if it, since it came out, but a long time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, the, the best response rate for, and, and I, I haven't, so this Kickstarter is not done yet. Uh, so mm-hmm. I won't know until the end, like how all the different avenues work. But the nice thing is you can track everything. One of those 12 hour days that I worked was just sending out tons and tons of Kickstarter links with track, trackable URLs so that we can yeah, look yeah. and see where, where, where are we getting good impact and where should we be doubling down that effort? Where, what isn't like, where should we be yeah. not spending money? Right. That is not having a good result. Mm. And uh, for and an example of that is Facebook ads are not bad. Uh, you mm. need somebody in my case, I, I needed somebody who knew how to do that because I've tried it on my own and not been very successful and working mm. with a group like backer kit who does offer yeah. services to do this kind of marketing. Uh, and then you have to aim for a certain, what they call a return on ad spend ROAS. That's, that's the mm-hmm. lingo and the jargon. And you want like how, how, what's the minimum return on ad spend. And so for me, it's like three, right? Like I want for every dollar I'm spending on advertisement, I should be getting three back. And that should cover, that's because I have to cover all those other fees and I have to cover the manufacturing. Yeah. So you can't do one-to-one because one-to-one, you're actually losing money, right? Yeah. And, and three is three is even pretty, that's that's a pretty low ROAS, right? It's tight, so, right? Yeah, but that example is like, okay, so I might be able to get three to one on that. But if I go directly to Facebook and I try to spend a lot of my time building up a audience there, or I go to like the D&D community there and use that, that offers almost nothing, right? Like I got yeah. hardly any impact from that. Um, Twitter, I think what I found when I was tracking sales, so not so much Kickstarters, but like if I had a sale on a book, like, you know, one of my other mm. books was for sale on drive through RPG, I could do a bunch of tracking stuff to say like, where, where are people buying the book from? And email news lists turned out to provide 40 times more value than Twitter did. Wow. Right? wow. And, and I've spent years with Twitter, right? And mm-hmm. there's, there's a few reasons, but a, a big one is that Twitter has now changed how people are interacting with their timeline. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, the, the, the official Twitter clients now rank things by their own internal algorithms rather than mm-hmm. timeline, which means, yeah. you know, I can post a tweet. I, I, I did an experiment today, right? I've got, I'm not trying to show off, right? But I got 40,000 followers on Twitter. And then right. it's like, 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 let me look back at a tweet I posted yesterday and see how many views it got. And it was 4,000 views, right? Mm-hmm. So then, and, 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 and it's not even 10% of the people who follow me, right? It's, it yeah. could be retweets, that could be uh, yeah. any other kind of algorithmic thing. And of those, like, I didn't track like, well, how many of them clicked through, but it wasn't very good, yeah. right? And then yeah. how many of those actually backed it? And that wasn't very good either. Yeah. Now Twitter's basically it's almost free, right? Like I pay for a tool called Hootsuite that lets me um, yeah. set up a bunch of tweets ahead of time and, and do a bunch of stuff. So that makes managing Twitter far easier. But that costs, and it's not much. I don't know how much I'm paying, but not yeah. very much. And um, so like I could kind of fire and forget that stuff, right? And it's still worth it because it's gonna it's gonna pull in something. But mm. I really want to think about my newsletter and making that newsletter really good. 
because there's so much better engagement with it with that than there is with Twitter. Same with Facebook or, or sorry, with YouTube, right? That, you know, I hadn't been paying a lot of attention to YouTube. I decided to do some experiments. They really paid off. And now like the majority of the people who find my Patreon are finding it through YouTube rather than any wow. other source. And mm. so, you know, okay, I'm not, you know, I hope that means I like making YouTube videos because that turns out to be a really successful <laughs> enterprise, right? But, you know, yeah, it, it takes... It takes a fair bit of work and a fair bit of tracking to really see like, okay, where, where are people reaching my stuff? Then the other thing yeah. I have to consider, which is, which is um, sometimes hard to, you know, it's, it, you kind of get lost in, in views and you get lost in the money, you know, you kind of get lost in those numbers. Like, you know, and I asked my wife, I'm like, is my, is the goal of Slife Flourish to sell the lazy DMs companion? And she's like, I mean, there's worse goals. And I'm like, but I don't think that's the goal, right? The goal is make, help people run D&D games. So yeah. even if, even if something like TikTok doesn't, it has the same problem that Twitter has where like you could put up a TikTok video and people will love it and people will, you know, but then yeah. no one's leaving there to go buy your book, right? No one, right. no one's, it, it, there's no funnel, right? The funnel stops. Yeah. And the nice thing about an email or YouTube is they have a funnel and it actually works and it's trackable, right? But, but Twitter kind of does, but Twitter will downgrade links. They downgrade tweets that have links in them. Right. A lot yeah. of people have started to figure this out. This is why you start seeing tweets where it has like an image and a tweet and then says, you know, follow the thread for the link. And they're yeah. trying to game the system to try to get Twitter to say, oh, I'll, 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 I'll put your first tweet higher. And then people will be able to follow that to get to the second one. I don't know if it works. Yeah. Um, but I know that I've seen tweets that have a link and tweets that don't have a link that came out of roughly the same time with roughly the same content. And you'll see four or five times more views on the one that doesn't have a link. Right. So I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that Twitter is downgrading tweets with links or certainly downgrading tweets with links to certain sites because they know it's marketing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they know it's taking the, taking the audience away from Twitter. Right. So. If, right. If they don't want, right. So, right. And, that, and so this is my other, you know, my other big argument for an email news list is that's your social network. You own it. Right. Like I yeah. sure I'm using MailChimp, but I could move to another provider. I can take that list. All of these people have said that they want to receive stuff from me. And they gave me their email addresses. I can take yeah. that and move it to any other service that I want. So, yeah. you know, it's my social network. It's those are people who are interested in the things I'm doing. I don't have to worry about anything else, right? And yeah. you know, I don't get that with Twitter. Like I can't take my, my Twitter followers and move them anywhere. I can't decide how they reach my stuff. I can't, I can't deal with any of that. And all of this, all of the, and that, the same is true with YouTube, right? YouTube is really great. And so far, right, it's been helpful. Um, but they're deciding and they could just decide one day, yeah, we decided we're going to downrank you. And then, you know, yeah. oh, your views turned yeah. to zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it, it, it's a risk, you know, it's a risk right now. With, with That's what I mean, man. When I ask you that question, you know, about how, how it's doing, because when you get in that space, you know, when, when you are, when numbers become a thing and algorithms exist and are flying around you, um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it becomes this crazy headspace that you're in of like, and like you said, trying to come back to that. And I, I love that you mentioned, you know, that, that coming back to the core reason of like, why do I do this? And it's because I want to help DMs run games easier. And I want to be able to allow people to, to, to kind of progress themselves as dungeon masters. It's something that I think I have to, and it's something that we, we 
try and do regularly with our with when we're doing NPCs because it's something that we find is is, is one of the it's one of the few places where it's like cool we're making these so that people can use them and like when we make our like uh, D&D diaries videos you know we're trying to give people advice as we learn it you know we're trying to like give it to people and and let people go on that ride with us of growing and progressing and I think when you get wrapped up in the numbers, sometimes it can take the genuine side of what you're doing out of it. And it can sometimes then mean that the content suffers because of that. And I think yeah, absolutely trying to remember that like why you're here, why you're doing it is, is one of those things. And something that I saw that you recently posted that really um, resonated with me was how D and D can save lives. And um, I really, really liked it. And it was a great article. Um, and I want to kind of just round this out by asking you uh, how you how, how you feel D and D can save lives, and 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 uh, you know allowing you to express a little bit about that and, and gratitude towards uh, what we're doing and why why you know we're sat here having this conversation with you and, and and enjoying your content from afar and buying your supplements and all that and why you know you're you're sat here with us today as well. Yeah, um, loneliness kills right? That, that loneliness is, is there, there are, there are studies that talk about the fact that loneliness is more damaging to your physical health than smoking, right? Mm. That it, it's, it can be really devastating. It's why solitary confinement is considered, you know, immoral, right? Yeah. That, that being, being cut off from people, even introverts, right? Like being cut off from people, uh, it can be, can be really, can be deadly. Right. And, yeah. uh, our society, if uh, I'm getting on a little bit of a soapbox, but you ask, um, <laughs> our, I, I feel like our society has kind of built these things into play that have, that can make it hard for people to have a mm. good reason to get together and yeah. just hang out and have fun. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I think about, I've, I've had this conversation, but like the amount of energy that I spent as a kid in high school, worried about whether or not people thought I was gay is so yeah. horrifying to me now, right? Yeah. Like, God, all of that energy I could have used for something useful, right? Yeah. And, and, and so we've built this idea that like, oh, if I have another male friend and I want to get together and hang out, like, I don't want people to think I'm weird. And you're like, oh my God, we got to get rid of that, right? And so yeah. the idea of just going over to someone's house and hanging out to play D&D, so, so D&D can help kind of break through some of these ideas. And, and, and you know, I've, I've heard neighbors that were talking about it. There was you know, some, some, uh, some women around my neighborhood who got together said, Hey, we want to get together. We want the women of our neighborhood to get together once a week and get together and chat. And we're not allowed to talk about kids. Right. No. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, and so they had to like, you know, having a catalyst to get together seems to be important, more important than it should be, I think. Yeah. Right. Because we have these weird sort of social mm -hmm. requirements about why we would get together instead of just being able to do it. And so having a game like D&D where we can, we have a clear catalyst, we have a reason to get together. Um, mm -hmm. we can, it's, it's something that can be scheduled, right? My, my friends will schedule it into their week. So even though they're busy with their jobs and spouses and kids, they say, hey, Wednesday nights, the night dad goes plays D&D, right? Yeah. And so they've built it into their schedule, certainly during COVID. Like I wrote that article before COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's even more important now, right? Where yeah. like, finding a reason. And I've had, I've had, I've certainly felt this way. And I've had players of mine who I play with who say like, you know, this really helped like yeah. getting together on Sundays or getting together on Wednesdays and hanging out with the same people I used to hang out with around a table. We, we know each other. 
you know, yeah. and being able to just kind of break away from what's going on, get away from the news and, and, and forget about the real world and play some, play some D and D that it matters a lot to them. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, the, 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 my drive to help DMs run games is also that drive that the more DMs that are running games, the more groups will be getting together and that's making the world better. It's making people better. It's, it's, you know, making people happier. I think, I think if more people had these opportunities to get together, maybe they would do it in less destructive ways. Right. And yeah. I, I, there's a, there's a video on Netflix about flat earthers. Right. And it, mm. it shows, it's kind of this, like, let's look at one of the weirdest fringe groups of society, people that still believe the earth is flat. And in the video, they show them conducting experiments that show that the earth is round, but they, they, even though they spent like $30,000 on gyroscopes to figure out that the earth is moving, that it's round. They then say, well, something's wrong, right? Something's wrong with the gyroscope. Clearly yeah. that can't be right. And, and then what people discovered is that it's not at all about their belief in this. It's about the fact that they've become part of this community and they cannot like, they have to be part of it, right? Like yeah. they're not going to go and be on their own anymore. They, they've, they've built this community around themselves and yeah. the community is why they're there. It's not because of this crazy belief. So yeah. Well, how about do D and D instead, right? Like we, we, <laughs> you know, I have, right. Like I have flat earths in my D and D games, right. And they are flat, right. Cause I make it up and I can make up anything. So instead of building a fantasy world about things that are real, let's build fantasy worlds that are about fantasy. Right. Yeah. And you know, cause our human brains are fantastic simulators. They're, they're, they're terrible at accuracy, but they're really mm. good at simulating worlds. So instead yeah. of simulating real worlds that don't actually exist, let's simulate some fake ones. That yeah. we can all enjoy together. And so I think, I think that's where, yeah, that's, that's why I, I, I'm, you know, I have no, I have, I have no issues wondering like, oh, is what I'm doing really important in the world? I'm like, no, it is. And I'm happy to do it. And, and, yeah. you know, yeah. The other, the other, the other thing I'll, I'll kind of mention though, that which has come up, it came up in some conversations um, with, with other, other designer friends of mine is like, you know, what happens if D and D falls apart again? Right, like D and D has fallen fell apart in the past. It's gone from high to low before. We know that, yeah. like Wizards of the Coast just announced that they're doing new core books in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, there's big questions about like digital play. Like, are they, you know, what's going on with that? And there's lots of opportunities for Wizards of the Coast or others to screw up and, and end up shattering the marketplace rather than continuing to build it up. Right. Yeah. And then what does that mean for us? And I'm like, well, I was writing about this when no one cared. So mm. I'll, I'll probably still write about it when no one cares. And if I'm helping five people, great. Like I've, 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 I've done better than only helping myself. Right. So yeah. I hope that I don't have to chase the numbers and, and there are occasions, like I'll look at certain benchmarks and I'll be like, huh, like it went down, like book sales went down this month from the last two months. Like, and I'm like, does that matter? And I'm like, no, not really. Right. Like mm. it's, I don't have to like, oh my God, you know, panic. Like, yeah. I need to maintain the same level of growth. It's like, people are still buying the book. What am I worried about? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, so the same in a lot of other areas. And then there's also the other, another side, which is that too much popularity can also be bad. Right. Yeah, and I course. haven't, I haven't reached the point, but there's certainly others where like, you know, eventually there's like a negative group out there. There's somebody that will, that will decide, you know, that, that you're actually hurting the world. And occasionally I'll see this, like I'll see like a review and they're like, the stuff that Mike is talking about in return is making D&D worse. And you're like, man, I'm just one dude, right? Like ignore me yeah. if you don't appreciate yeah. Yeah. Like, That's fine. But, but the more popular you get, the more influence everybody thinks you have. And then like, you know, they, they can, it can get really negative until you get like John Lennon and someone shows up on your doorstep and shoots you, right? Yeah. And so 
there's certainly like a, a level of, and we've seen this with not inside D and D so much, although I bet like in the big streaming worlds, right, it can certainly yeah. be a problem, but um, certainly in other sort of streaming and online presence uh, uh, areas uh, where the fan base can get out of hand. And there's, there's, yeah. like, there's, there's a percentage of people out there that are not well, and mm. if they decide to fixate on you, you know, you could, you could be in a bad spot. Um, yeah. So there's a certain like level of audience. You're like, I want to get below that level of audience. <laughs> I don't need, I don't want to, I don't want to increase my audience by 10 times. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of good leveling it off. So, so there's that, I, that's something I think about too. Like how much is too much? Yeah. Right? And how much are like putting oneself out there? YouTube, I worry a little bit that I'm putting every time like somebody comments on like the music that I have up on my iPhone in a video i'm like you know i i expose too much right like <laughs> it, it, what, who i am who i am doesn't yeah. matter right like yeah if, that's wild hopefully i'm offering ideas that are useful and if they are great and if they're you know or you can research them and see if they're good ideas but you know no one cares about anything else right like mm. yeah and uh, do, <laughs> do, do you know what do you know what i think so much of what you just said there is is so accurate and i think you know, one, um, having something to gather people together um, is so important. Uh, two, you know, having people to gather with and, and finding that like group bond and, you know, doing that with people means a lot to people. And I think it's also a space where, you know, um, things like, you know, the, the mentality of, oh, if two guys are hanging out, you know, we, that's, you know, we're stuff where that kind of stuff can be ironed out weirdly sometimes through role play you know and through you know the 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 experience of spending time with each other and and you know it, it can be a very nurturing area as well once you're educational in, as well. yeah once you're in the game especially if you know there's a good session zero behind your campaign and you know your dm's checking in with you guys regularly and all that kind of stuff and so it can be a really nurturing and beautiful place to heal people as well and 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 help people but I think, like you said as well, popularity can take its deep dives. You know, poor, poor bloody Matt Mercer. Um, is, you know, is, is got to be living under a rock to try and avoid the, the the stuff that he has to deal with. But you know, I think you're totally right in of that. If we can, you know, leave a small space of just we've helped some people, and if we've helped people and people have enjoyed what we've done, then you know, I, I'm I'm cool with that. And like you said. D&D dives. Hey, um, forever DM. Like, let's go. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be all men DMing, you know, like that's, that's the way. And I think it's, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge, I'll challenge the two of you with something. Have you guys ever played a one-on-one -on -one game? The two of you? No, we no. actually, so we actually we're thinking about doing it though. As you say, we talked recently because we're developing, because we love MMA and we love D&D &D, um, and unarmed combat is truly the worst in part of five and eight, five eight. Um, <laughs> We, uh, we've been developing an unarmed combat system that is very similar to spellcasting, but for unarmed combat. And so right. we've been talking recently, we're like, God, we need to, uh, we need to have a battle. We just need, we need, yeah, to, we need to, to, yeah, we need to get in there and have a battle while we're making this, just to have a bit of fun, you know? But what were you going to say? Go ahead. So, but yeah, like one-on-one -on, one -on -one playing, so, so playing D&D one-on-one is absolutely viable and really, really mm. fun. And it's a, it's a different style of D&D, &D, but it's not mm -hmm. one that's any better or worse than playing with a group only it's much easier to do because you only need one other person instead of five scheduling yeah. is way easier and all sorts of other things but there's this weird like 
gap of like, I don't know, it's going to feel weird to me. Like role playing mm-hmm. with one other person is going to feel weird. And like my wife and I started doing, we love it. Right. And I did a one-on-one game with my friend Enrique Bertrand uh, who goes by newbie DM on Twitter. Really mm-hmm. fun. Right. And, and so it's, it's one of these where like, there's this weird, like fear of intimacy, even between like my wife and I, right. Like can't bend yeah. right and there's still this fear of like exposure and intimacy that occurs in playing in like a one-on-one game that sort of hinders people from doing it. And it's a great experience. It's really fun. It's very doable. You can, you can one hour games, you can have really short periods. You could do it on a walk, right? Like my mm. wife and I would have parts of our game that we do on a walk because you don't actually need dice. It's just sort of decision, you know, a little bit of role playing yeah. and a little bit of decision making. And, uh, and yet I think, I think that, that, that fear of intimacy kind of gets in the way. And that's kind of along that line of like, if you could just sort of bust through that, and it doesn't take much to just say, well, Let's just try it, right? Yeah. And, and, just, and as soon as you do it, it feels totally natural, and then it's not weird at all, right? That's the, and you know, I think and I, I have it with our players a lot. Um, some of them will uh, like warm up to the session. You know, the first twenty minutes, thirty minutes might be a little bit like, ah, yeah, ah, don't, ah, don't look at me, Mister DM. I don't, you know. But then, you know, once we're in an hour, two hours, everyone's starting to like feel loose and starting to get like into it. And it's, it's just what, like you said, that weird intimacy thing. But you know what? This has been such a pleasure to talk to you and being able to pick your mind and you know understand the way that you think because your content is so amazing and so plentiful and and, and giving. I was just yeah, exactly. So. So like useful for us, uh, uh, new DMs who are coming up in in this new age of Dungeons and Dragons. That are you know, I'm so thankful for you know uh, people who have been around from you know earlier editions. People like yourself, uh, you know, giving us you know the time of day and and having a chance to talk with us. But we cannot tell you how much we uh, appreciate you from a side perspective. And thank you so much for chatting today. Um, I'll give you a bit, uh, hand it over to you. I'm sure some things are going on with you. Yeah, things are great, you know, and, and yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, I lost my train of thought. My cat is climbing. No, it's okay. No, any yeah. shout outs? Any, any... Yeah, shout outs. <laughs> so yeah, but probably number one is, um, yeah, I'm running my Kickstarter right now for uh, uh, the Lazy DMs Companion. It's a great way mm-hmm. to get a brand new book, but also a great way to get the other three books in a brand new format, hardcover for mm-hmm. Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, Spiral Bound for the workbook, and Perfect Bound for, uh, sp- uh, soft cover, Perfect Bound for the Companion. Um, mm-hmm. you know, great, great way to get in there. To kick, you mentioned before Kickstarter is doing very well. So I'm really, really happy about that. Um, other than that, uh, the best place to find my stuff is to go to my website, slyflourish.com. Uh, I have all the links mm-hmm. to all of the other places where I post content. Uh, so that's kind of the best hub. And uh, mm-hmm. if you are interested in tips every day or tips every week, you can uh, subscribe to the newsletter there. As I mentioned, my mm-hmm. newsletter is like a really great way to, to, to get access. Mm-hmm. To that so, yeah. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for Thanks, taking the time to talk to us. We've been Homie and the Dude, the father and son TTRPG and MMA podcast, destination for NPCs, the best destination for NPCs across what I would say all the planes and possibly the multiverse. I haven't ventured out of our universe yet, but I would say uh, at least the planes within our universe. Don't don't you guys also exist in those other multiverses? So get all creating those NPCs as our competitors. (laughs) <laughs> so which yeah. which others are the best? Are we sort of getting against ourselves? <laughs> hmm. Or we want to think about and uh we'll leave them with that. Yeah, we'll leave it with that. Thank you, everyone. So not, not to be a jerk, but it seems statistically unlikely. That- <laughs> <laughs> How lucky we'll would I be to be we'll the best one? <laughs> all the others.
<laughs> oh, thank you so much, Mike. And, uh, and we'll catch you next time, man. Thank you very Cheers. much. It's been a great time. Thanks, man. We're chugging through. We're loving doing this stuff, you guys. Um, if you want to support us, if you want to make sure that we can keep getting, you know, better quality set, better quality lights, make the filming better. Bigger, um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. <laughs> yes. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that by just liking, following the page, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.